Sometimes in life, we need a paradigm shift. If you're rich, you need to take your kids to a place to see how rough life can be. If you're poor, you need to go look at a $3 million home with a realtor. You need to go to a Ferrari dealership. You need to go to a land. I remember I used to go to a Ferrari dealership, David, and I would say, I played one game. Here's what my game was. It's a sick game I would play. I'm broke. I got nothing (laughs) on my name. I'm so poor. It sucks. I'm about to go back in the army, but I would say, I want to find out if they believe I'm rich. I want to see if this Ferrari salesperson (laughs) believes I can afford to buy a Ferrari. So I would go to the dealership and I would walk around. You know what I would say? Man, the guy's ignored. He doesn't even say hi. You know why? He knows I can't afford it. He feels the vibe. Mm. So a year later, I would go back in. Still doesn't talk to me. Year later, I go back in. How are you? Good. I still can't afford it, but now he believes I can't afford it. That's all that matters. <laughs> so then I would go to Mulholland Drive, and I, would, I went one time to look at this $3.5 million house, open house. Mm-hmm. I walk in. said, how you doing? Good. Um, what can you tell me about this property? And she leaves a customer and comes with me and spends 45 minutes showing the home. This is at a time that I can only probably buy a $700,000 property. But the fact that she thought and believed my aura, my energy was a character of somebody that could afford to buy a three and a half million dollar house. It made me believe that I'm on my way to be able to buy a three and a half million dollar house. So today I live in a $30 million house. I don't, now it's a different story. But during that time, so if somebody that's driving the Uber car right now, you gotta create the other kind of paradigm shifts for you. Wow. You gotta go to a complete different environment to get yourself to say, why not me? Why not my family? Why can't I do something about it? So yeah. if you're doing Uber, you can no longer, I went on a diet of music. You know when people talking about hip hop? I don't know Lamar. The other day I was asking guys who are the top five rappers right now. One guy said Little Baby's number one, this person's number 10. They're going back and forth debating, right? You know who I know? I know up until 2003, 2002, <laughs> because I went on a radio diet. Yeah. I've never, I've not turned on the radio since 2002. Wow. You tell me any R&B, if you want to play the game of R&B, I can tell you Rome. Mm-hmm. Every time I see you, it makes me, <laughs> I can sure. tell you Uncle Sam, I don't ever want to see you. I can go to Brian McKnight. Yeah. You know, I can go to, you know, Atlantics. I can go to yeah. As Yet. I can go to... You know, anything with Tupac, anything with Biggie. I can go to one of the greatest albums of all time by DMX. I can go Mo Murder by Bone Thugs and Harmony. I think it's number 16. I can go to, I can go to Blackstreet's album, tell you exactly which one is the baby making music to listen to. You know, don't leave me. I can go to Usher, tell you my way. I can go to all of that stuff. But my timeline ends at 02. Because if you're an Uber driver and you're serious about your dreams, Go on a radio diet for one year. No radio for you this year, nothing. No radio, no Spotify. The only thing you listen to all year this year is audiobooks, if you're an Uber driver. All business, all intentional, all vision, all autobiographies, let people inspire you. Can the person that's listening to this right now making 50K a year saying, Pat, David, I'm ready, I'm committed, no problem. Can you go on a Spotify, on an iTunes, on a diet, nothing for an entire year. Now, when you work out, listen to your hip hop. Yeah. Fire yourself up. I listen to hip hop. Hit him up when I'm working out. I listen to my hip hop music when I'm working out because it's getting me going. But I went on a radio diet since O2 till today. I've never once listened to the radio. Oh. So those are the things that the exchanges people need to make to have a paradigm shift. And this is coming from a guy that had a one point GPA in high school. Yeah. I'm not the guy that you know came out of a family that I'm supposed to be somebody. So. That's what I would say to those folks. Um, depression happens because you keep looking back. Anxiety happens because you're looking too far forward. All, all I'm telling you is to stay right right here in the now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna give you this analogy that I love all the time, right? So I don't I don't drive without Waze. So Waze is a is a is a navigation app, right? I don't drive without Waze because Waze, you put your address in where you wanna go, and Waze already knows what's happening in the traffic sphere. And so if, if, if it's telling me to take I-20, and I know normally I would take I-285, there's a reason why Waze is telling me to take I-20, because mm-hmm. it might be packed on I-285. And so I'm gonna listen to Waze, right? But let's say I don't listen to Waze. Let's say I go however way I wanna go, I go to I- I-285 and I get stuck, right? 
Waze is not going to take me back where I started and tell me how to get to where I'm going. It's going to recalculate it from where, from where I am currently, right? And so I think what what people do is the people who had the bad relationships, the people who had all these bad experiences, they keep replaying this negative thing in their head. They keep trying to start over. They keep trying to backtrack and figure out where did I go wrong? Where did I do this left turn? Why would I do this this way? And then then they try to reroute themselves from the, the past past when that don't even exist no more. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care where you're from. I don't care who you know, right? There's nothing you can do to bring back the past, right? And even if you do everything that you think you're supposed to be doing, there's nothing you can do to control the future. And so I just live in daytight compartments. I'm telling every single person that, that hears the sound of my voice, I need you to live in daytight compartments. What does that mean? That means where do you want to go? Don't tell me about what happened in the past. Don't tell me about what mistakes you, I don't care about none of that. Right now, today, where do you want to go? Put in that destination and just move in daytight compartments. Why is that, right? Because at the end of the day, even when tomorrow comes, it's still today. Mm-hmm. And so if all you do is the best that you could do today, everything else is going to work out. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I also believe, again, I said I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. It's about awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. You get what you are aware of. Right. There are people right now as we speak who are aware of how many jobs have been lost. They're aware about how many, uh, you know, how bad the economy looks and the outlook. They're aware of that. Right. They focus on that. They focus on how many people died from covid. They're aware. And guess what happens? They're stuck in doom and gloom because their awareness of that. Then there's another side of people who are aware of how many millionaires were made during this time. They're aware about all the great opportunities that exist right now. They are aware that this is the best time to be alive because there's a wealth transfer happening right now. They're aware of that. And that awareness is what's allowing some people to crush it. I'm talking about crush. Yo, I had a friend call me and said, yo, Ash, yo, yo, I'm $18,000 away from having a million dollars in my account. He said, yo, I'm 18,000, yo, in the pandemic. He said, yo, and this is a business that he didn't even have pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And so there are people who are killing it, who are crushing it. 100%. But it's about awareness, though. And so the, for the person, right, you, you know uh, what, what Henry Ford says, so, you know, there's those who think they can and those who think they can't, and they You're both right. right. 100%. And so there are people right now, and, and, I, and, and honestly, it's not even my job to convince those people, Right? I'm not, in, I'm, in, I'm not in that business. I'm not in the business of trying to convince people that if you focus on doom and gloom, you'll get doom and gloom. If you focus on abundance, you'll get abundance. What my job is, is to display God, right? Greatness on display. And so the way I teach is I show you. Yeah. I don't gotta. I don't gotta tell you. I'm a. I'm a show you. I'm gonna say yo. Right. Like I, yo. I got. As we speak, I got three television deals, bro. Like as mm. we speak. Right, like, like, like during the pandemic, these these companies are reaching out. They like, yo, we want you on television. I wrote that twelve years ago though too. It's in the mm. book. For, go, 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 go to my right money, right? Tell us a financial freedom. Page forty eight. I wrote that. I wrote that twelve years ago. Right. And, and how did those opportunities come? Because I'm aware that abundance is my birthright. I don't accept nothing else. I don't hear you. If somebody's talking about doom and gloom, I don't understand that. Me no speak, me, I don't speak <laughs> I that it. language. I love and, it. and so I would tell anybody who's having that, um, and it's not, it's not me um, poking fun at it. It's not me making light of it. It's, it's, it's reality. Yeah. Reality is what you focus on, period. Right? You, if, you, if, you're, if you're sick and you're focusing on your sickness, you're not going to get healthy. Yeah, 100%. If you broke and you focus on being broke, you're not going to get wealthy. You need to focus on what you want. Yeah. If you sick, focus on wellness. Don't 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 hang out other other sick people. If you sick, stop hanging around sick people. Yeah. If you sick, go find some some healthy people, some people who are working out, some people who are healthy, vibrant. Hang out with them. Don't go to a nursing home and see a a, a seventy year old who's who's on their deathbed. Watch a seventy year old who's doing pull ups. Yeah. Right? Because because now you're like, wait, hold on. All right. So so all right. Let me let me move in that in that faction. Yeah. If, 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 if you broke right now, stop hanging around with people who broke. Start yeah. hanging out with dudes that, that, that are making it happen. Dudes that don't make no excuses. Dudes who are, you know what I'm saying? And because the awareness of that, how can I unsee that? 
Yeah. How, how, can, how can my man hit me and tell me he's $18,000 away from being a millionaire, having a million dollars cash money in his account? I can't unsee that. I can't unhear that. Yeah. When somebody tell me, they, yo, they did 100 bands in a month, 100 bands in two days. I can't unhear that. Right. Yeah, the excitement of starting something. Oh, God. I remember I was on the phone with Kendall. We, we started this business, and I was like, yo, that's all I'm gonna be doing. Yeah, nah. Kendall's <laughs> like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I was like locked in because I, it was so intriguing. I'm like, yo, we need this. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. This business model for everything. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to drop all the stuff I'm doing. I'm locking in on that. He's like, ah, you're going to do some stuff. This ain't, this ain't about to be your biggest focus. But if I, you remember, we had a conversation one day and I said to you, um, I said, don't worry about this. I'll take that. You go do what you were doing. And it was this that you were building. I said, because I see that's where your greatest energy is right now. And go do it. We just didn't have the right support people because I'm I'm like you. I'm looking for the next thing. But anytime you decide to start something and it, it, it energizes you, if you choose to sustain it and to scale it, you have to put the right pieces, the right pieces and the right automation around it so it can still be sustainable and become active, passive revenue. Active, passive revenue. Yeah. To two different things? Yes. So there's, this is me. There's active revenue. That's where you are actively engaged 
in generating this money. Then there's passive revenue. I buy the crib. I put you in it. You pay me rent. Every now and then I got to send somebody over to fix something, but that's a property management company. So now I'm getting passive revenue. I buy a dividend stock. I'm every quarter, every month, I'm getting something back. That's passive revenue. I ain't doing nothing. But then you have active passive. I start a company. I get the company up and moving. I put a team in place to run the company. I may show up 10 to 15 to 20% of the time or as needed. I'm active, but I'm not as active. And so it's active passive revenue. Got it. Yeah. But you got to determine that up front. So if you and I were the, the joint we were doing, if we said up front, yo, we know us, we're going to get this thing started. And we're, while we're building it, we're going to put the right people and the right pieces in place so that after we lose this energy and we see that next shiny bullet, we got to go get, we can go get it and still have active passive revenue. But that's crazy because it's going to take a lot of maturity and transparency and knowing yourself to say, I'm not going to be in this. No, I know how I feel right now, but I know my pattern. But watch this. This is the great thing about business and entrepreneurship. And you know this. It's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. but you don't know what you need until you get in the game and start playing. Yeah. It's like we coach. You got people. I'm going to give you a play. Here's the play. Most people you get a play to, guess what they're going to do? Fumble the ball. They ain't even going <laughs> to get in the game and play. <laughs> right. Forget the fumble. Right. They're going to take it and be like, yo, that was good. And then nine times out of 10, it's just going to sit there or they're going to wait for another play mm-hmm. because they just love getting plays. Then there are some people that are going to, Coach Dave is going to give them a play. Then they're going to go to the assistant. Then the other assistant, they're going to get all these pet plays and they're going to get confused. Mm-hmm. The people that are successful are the people that take the play and go run it and fumble the ball. Mm. And here's the crazy thing. You can give me a play and you can give somebody else a play. Same play. But the way I run it may not work for me because he's faster and stronger. I might not be as fast. So I got to be mature enough to say, yo, let me run the play. But what is life? What is the market? What is the defense bringing at me? And can I be a creative? Classes and there's trainings and there's some amazing acting coaches across the country. Absolutely. But acting is constantly self, self-developing. Like I am constantly asking myself, why did I get mad when that lady said that to me at the grocery store today? Why did it, why did this affect me when my husband said such and such to me today? And I write it down. Well, this made me feel invalidated when he said this. Really? Or this made me feel left out when I saw them all go to lunch and I wasn't invited. I write these things down because it's it's helping me develop as a person. And the more developed you are as a real person in real life, the more developed you can develop a character. A character is just something written on a piece of paper. You have to make that person on a piece of paper a real human being. How can you do that? A human being has a favorite color. They have a favorite drink. They have a favorite food. Did they go to college? Did they come from a two-parent household? Were they molested as a child? Did they get a college degree? Did they have siblings? You have to make all these things up. And the best way to do that is by living real life and identifying why you feel the way you feel when real life is happening. Mm. Those are called tools. And the more tools you have in your real life, the more tools you can bring to this character that's written down on a piece of paper, you got to make that person real. Mm. You know what I mean? What's the prep work like for a uh, for a character? What's that prep? Finding this character's objective, their why, their need. What does this character want? Say this character wants love, right? This whole script, the whole thing is about her wanting love. I have to then find in my life where I want love and who I want it from and why I want it from them and how it makes me feel and how it makes me feel when I feel like I'm not getting it. And all those tools that I have in my real life, I can now bring it to this character who just wants love. But if you've never done that work in real life and you don't know why David wants love, you don't know who loved, who loves David the most. You don't know who you need love from the most. If you've never done this development in real life, it's going to be real hard to bring it to a fake character that's written down on a piece of paper. Mm, and it shows up on screen. And it, that's why there's good actors and there's actors who are not so great. Y'all don't all watch the movie where you're like, I do not believe this performance. <laughs> and it's probably because this person is not developed in real life. What what work is this person doing in real life is what we need to be asking. Mm. But then there's there's performances you see on screen and you're like, wow. Yeah. You're like, I've got chills watching this. Jesus. When you watch Viola, uh. that's not, it's coming from a real place, baby. Yo. What? Yo, Viola in uh have you ever met her? No, I'm hoping to work with her. Putting that out there. Let's go ahead and manifest that. It it, it it is so amazing to watch her. Gee, she's so good. And now even through this conversation, I'm my initial thought is wow, she's a good actress. 
I bet you what? she's the most developed person in real life. She knows she know who she knows who she is. She knows why she is that way. She knows what makes her tick, what makes her need, what makes her want, what makes her desire. She knows her, her insecurity. She knows her lack. She knows her abundance. She knows her in and out. And that's why she's able to do that to a character. <laughs> yeah, I was at my man crib. He told me that 1.1 million on Black Friday. Yep. Yeah. I can't understand. I can't, can't, can't. And can't. he showed me the phone. I won't put his business on. He showed me the phone. With the dates, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, I, yeah, you, I can't unsee you it. Can't unsee it. And now I know it's possible. Absolutely, that's it. He's not much taller than me. Right. He, I don't know if he's much better speaker than me. Right. I believe if if you cut his arm, it'll probably bleed red like me. Absolutely. I feel like yeah, it, it's possible now. Absolutely, without you a doubt. You feel me? Without a doubt. All right, so I I need to know yeah your first lessons in money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're around the money, yep. right? And you're, you're understanding how it works and you're seeing the overdraft fees. Yeah. What was your first lesson in money as a 19 year old? Yeah. First month, first lesson in money um, is that we got to stop working hard for money. Money needs to work hard for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because most of the people who I knew uh, who had the overdraft fees, who were struggling were the, were the people who worked, right? Mm -hmm. They exchanged time for money. Their physical labor for money. Uh, the people who were living it up, you know, the clients that had time to, to, to you know, kick back at my desk and just, just, just shoot the shit. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like those clients, you know, they, 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 they were bosses. They owned something. They created something that keep paying them over and over, right? They had employees or they were, you know, the landlords who bought the, the property and the tenants were paying them. Like every single one of the folks that I knew that were wealthy had an asset and the asset paid for the things, not their labor. And so I said, you know what? I got to stop working hard for money. I got to figure out how do I get some assets, right? Because here's the deal. There are four types of people on this earth. You got consumers, producers, investors, and philanthropists. Consumers, producers, producers investors, investors, and philanthropists. Okay, talk to me. What happens is most people are only consumers, mm -hmm. right? They make money, they consume. They make money, they consume. And what are they doing? They're stopping the cycle of money, right? Money's supposed to circulate, and what happens is that as consumers, they're just consuming and now they have to work again to make some money. But what if you were a consumer and a producer? Now you consume, but now you're producing something. And as you produce, you're now putting that thing out to sell and now people are paying you for it. If you're investing, right, now you take that money and you're investing in something, that investment is paying you back. If you're a philanthropist, you're giving to something that you love, universal love. I mean, universal law, the more you give, the more you get. So now you become all four people, you're truly financially free. Mm -hmm. Because not only does the money come in, I consume, I produce, I invest, I give away. And from those other three buckets, things are coming back to me. From being a producer, I get, I get stuff back. From being an investor, I get money back. From being a philanthropist, I get opportunities and things back. Right. And so my, my first lesson was that was, like, yo, we got to stop working hard for money. Mm. We got to change that relationship. When did when did it do you can you pinpoint the moment you're sitting across the desk from somebody and it's like, yo, kind of like the moment where you saw my man. He's yo, he's he walking around. It's a certain way. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee free overdraft up to two hundred dollars with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals. Twenty four banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Walk Jim Rohn said yeah, he yeah. said maybe it's the walk. Yeah. You need to get your walk down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying so do you remember like the situation or the person that you talked to and you was like, yo. I got it. Yeah, so for me, uh, I was a I was a private banker before I became a branch manager. Uh, I was a private banker, so I I worked with the mass affluent, which means that you had to have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in investable assets, um, and I had a book of business of four hundred clients. My my most wealthiest clients were worth, worth uh, twenty two million dollars. Mm. I think going through that book of business and realizing. You know, I had some doctors, you know, that were that were part of my book, of, you know, my portfolio. They weren't wealthy. Right. Because those were the ones that were asking me for deals and trying to figure out how I get them better mortgage rate or, you know, they, they, they were the ones I was speaking to all the time. Right. Um, and so I realized that even from a high level, 
right? A lot of these doctors were making, were pulling six figures. They were making a lot of money, but they worked for money still. Right, and, and and that's the biggest thing I want y'all to realize too is that it's not about the amount of money. There's somebody right now who makes a million dollars who is still living check to check. Hundred percent. There's somebody right now as we speak. Make a million, spend a million. Exactly. And one. Exactly. <laughs> and they're living check to check. And so it w- it wasn't until uh, I won't say his name, um, but it was a Jewish guy um, who owned um, a chain of uh, like streetwear, urbanwear. He was, he was my $22 million client. Um, and I don't know, maybe I was, you know, I'm a nice guy, like to hang out with me. He would just call me to his office and we would hang out. He would take me to lunch, right? And I realized, like, you were yo, his banker. I'm his and banker. He just call you over. Kind of- yeah, he would just call me over, like, hey, I, it wasn't even bank stuff. Like, yo, just hang out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I realized, I'm like, yo, this dude is like, is living the life. I, I see your accounts, I know what you're pulling in, and you not, and you just chilling. And so it was at that point that I realized, like, how is he chilling? Is because he owns, and that's the other thing. A lot of times, they were. It was actually different, uh, a different chain of urban wear that you. That in my mind, I thought they were competitors, and he owned both of them. Mm. He owned both. He owned both, right? Um, and I think at that moment, I realized, like, yo, it's it's about ownership. Until you own your own, you can't be free. Yeah. Um, and then for me. Uh, it started to really click that all right, you know, it's 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 time to get into ownership business, um, because the other thing too is that if you work for money, you can't duplicate yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the amount of money that you can make is 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 finite, right? Mm-hmm. Like you like you, you know you can't make a million dollars if you work a job that's paying you fifty thousand right. dollars a year. It's just not possible. But if you own some stuff, you can, right? If you own a business and you hire people, you can. If you own a, you know, a digital property, you can. If you own a physical property that you can sell over and over. I wrote my book in 2009. I still get paid from that every single year, mm-hmm. right? Every single month, actually, right? But so, so it's really about, like, what are you doing, right? What kind of assets you own? And I think that was the beginning of it for me. It wasn't, okay. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that that particular, um, you know, that particular event was, you know, when I got it because there was still um, some trial and error, right? And so a lot of people who might be listening to this now might say, well, you're making it, you know, it seems easy. You're making it sound so easy. Um, I'm telling you my truth from where I am right now, right? But, you know, there was some there was some some unlearning, right? There was some unlearning that had to happen because, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a household that say, you know, work hard, get a good job retire when you 60 so i had to i had to re you know uncondition that yo i remember the first time um that i decided to quit my six-figure banking job to be an entrepreneur you know my mother god rest her soul like she almost attacked me mm. she almost she was like boy are you crazy you know we, like you got you got one of the best jobs you were the boss you the i wasn't really the boss i reported to somebody i was just following orders mm. i just i was just the face mm. you know what i'm saying uh i'm you know everybody's looking at me everybody's proud of me right i'm, I'm from 129th Street and 8th avenue i'm from the projects people are looking like yo this this kid that used to play the corners is now the manager of a bank right you know i don't know if chase still does it but when you walk into chase bank you see a big picture of the person mm. you got their face and their name underneath right somebody walk into the bank you people will show off like yo let me yo, yo come here let me show you my mans that's my mans mans let me show you you know what i'm saying they were proud but i but but you know i felt like i was selling my soul because i knew it was more and so the first time I jumped out and, you know, decided to quit and, you know, become an entrepreneur. How old were you? Uh, I was, uh, I was about to turn 30. So I was 29. Mm. Yeah, I was 29. Actually, uh, funny thing is that I actually um, uh, threw myself a retirement party. Right. Mm. So, I, so, I, so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about to do this. You know and I'm saying I had a, I had a, I was about to turn 30. Um, you know, I had a retirement party at the 4040 club. Mm. Um, and, and I decided that I was going to jump out the window uh, and become an entrepreneur. Um, and, and I fell on my face, though, too. So I'm not. So so I, so, I, so in full disclosure, yeah. uh, I became a homeowner. I bought my first home. My wife and I uh, when, when I was 25 years old. Right. While you're working at the bank. Well, I was working at the okay. bank. Um, and so when I decided to leave banking and become an entrepreneur, I was already used to a, a six-figure lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Um, my first year, I, you know, I wrote the book. Um, I was on Hot 97. I was, you know, Black Enterprise, Essence. I was doing before, my thing. Before we get there. Before yeah, yeah, we yeah, get yeah, there. yeah. So you were at the bank for how long? Uh, so from 2000 to two, so when I, when I about, about nine years. About nine yeah, years. Yeah, but then I had to jump back in, though. Yeah. 
Oh, so you left, then went back. Yeah, so that's what I was okay. going to so yeah, say. Right? Hold on, but yeah, before, yeah. You there, yeah, before you get there, before you get there. So were you making some uh, money moves before you left? No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What led up to, okay, I'm going to leave? Yeah, so, you know, I, so, so the thing is, so here's the deal, right? I was making a lot of money. But I was still flashy, right? I was still uh, trying to, I mean, I'll be honest, I was trying to keep up with the drug deal. So I was I was still hanging out with the guys, you know what I'm saying? We was going to the clubs, you know what I'm saying? I remember mm. my first car was a, a, a Dodge Intrepid, right? I had the gold Dodge Intrepid with the, with the uh, if you know, you know. I had the gold Dodge Intrepid with the rims. Uh, I, I, you know what I'm saying? I had the rims, I had the tents, mm. I was killing it, right? right. Uh, always fresh, going to the club, Mars 2112, all, all everything, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I was, I was spending a lot of money. Um, and so when I decided to quit, uh, I really thought that fame equals money though. Right. Because I, ne I was never an entrepreneur. I was a nine to five guy. Uh, and for some reason, I just thought that if everybody knew who I was, um, then I would just, you know, the money would come with it. And so when I wrote my first book, um, you know, I was still working at the bank. I was, you know, you know, grinding it out. You know, I, I got some some big placements, some, you know, High 97, Black Enterprise, Essence. Um, and, you know, one of my one of my bosses uh, came to me one day. Uh, they knew I was writing a book, but they didn't know at what magnitude. Um, and somehow somebody, you know, I don't know who, but somebody showed them my website. Right. He comes to me and says, yo, is this you? I said, yeah, it's me, because my name is Ash Exantis, mm -hmm. right? But I, but I wrote under Ash Cash. Mm -hmm. And so, some, you know what I mean? If you don't know, you don't know. Um, and so it was an ego thing that made me quit because he was like, well, how are you going to focus on what you got to do here at the bank? And, you know, you're on Hot 97. Like, he was making it seem like, you know, that he thought the success would go to my head. So I said, you know what? I quit. You know right. what I'm saying? So success did go to your head, actually. It did, absolutely. He was absolutely right. He was absolutely <laughs> right. Because right. I quit. Um, I threw myself a retirement party. Uh, you know, I start I started grinding it out. Uh, my first year uh, as an entrepreneur, I probably made about 50, 60, 60 grand. Doing which, what? Uh, speaking, writing books. So it was mainly from the you know on the speaking circuit. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a contract with um, ACS, uh, which is like the the children's services, mm -hmm. uh, teaching financial literacy to, to kids who were out of foster care. Um, and so I was getting good contracts. I was getting good speaking engagements. I was good. You know, I was get, I was selling you know decent amount of books, but it wasn't enough. To to sustain my lifestyle because I had already created this lifestyle that was a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle, um, and so I almost you know I almost went into foreclosure, right? Mm -hmm. I had to I had to put my house up for a short sale, uh, mm -hmm. the embarrassment, you know what I'm saying, of my neighbors, you know, coming looking at me and saying, yo, yo, I, yo, I saw your house listed on the, on the foreclosure list, like Ash, what's going on, right? And mind you. And I'm teaching about money. Right. Mind you, I'm teaching about money and I'm on the radio and I'm on television and I'm doing, I'm in magazines. Oh, that hurts. All bad. Right. And so, and so for me, that made me realize like, yo, you got to change this stuff up. And, and it was really at that moment where I started to really say, all right, now I got, I got, I got, I got to stop working hard for money. What about the people who, um, they, they understand that mindset and they're, uh, kind of like the information junkie, right? I mean, they're listening to every podcast or listening to you, but they don't actually do the stuff that you're saying do. Like, how, how do we break out of, okay, I know the right thing to do is to, to inject myself with good information, yeah. but I can't seem to do anything. You know, it, it, let's say these guys have kids, okay? Let's say you, uh, uh, I don't know anybody that I've met in my life who doesn't watch a movie with dreams, whether it's Rocky Four, whether it's Gladiator, the story of redemption, or even maybe a little bit of revenge, or you watch Stand and Lean On Me. What's up, podcaster, or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your 
your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on social proof podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal yeah i think by uh, who's in it morgan freeman is that the one that i'm saying lean on me and you're seeing the pride of a teacher principal that comes in that wants to change the culture of a place or a pursuit of happiness, or you watch a, you know, any of these movies where somebody goes from being a nobody to having their dreams become a reality. I've watched Rocky Four a couple hundred times, right? Something happens to us because we for a split second believe one day I want that to happen to me. What if that happens to my life? Great. For the person that doesn't take any action and it's just kind of sitting there living a regular life, you know, there's there's nothing worse than being forgotten about. When I was studying for my Series 7, I would go to Forest Lawn, and I studied for my Series 7 right next to my grandma's plot. So she, her plot is right there. She had just passed away, so I'm studying my Dearborn Yellow Book, and I'm going through this whole thing, and I'm standing right there, and it's outside. And uh, when I would take a break, and I would leave my stuff, I'd go for a walk. Mm. And I would walk past different plots, and I would say, Born 1962, dead 2001. Born 1954, dead 1988. Yeah, I don't know that name. Yeah, I don't know that name. Yeah, I don't know that name. Don't know that name. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, who is this guy? Wow, that's his plot? Mm. That's crazy. Interesting. Then I go to, and I would Google the names. Yep, I don't know that name. I don't know that name. I don't know that name. You know what it's like to go into a room and no one notices you? You ever seen the movie Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Where he's thinking the kid is dead and then he realizes he's the one that's dead, that yeah. he's trying to play the role. It's a very weird twist. Imagine nobody notices you. Imagine you disappear. Imagine the day you die, 42 people show up to your funeral. A year later, maybe your mom shows up. Maybe one of your kids show up. 
Five years later, you're in heaven looking down saying, how come none of you guys are coming back to my plot anymore? What happened? Didn't I do something good with my life? How come you're not coming back to visit? For the person that's not doing anything with their lives, I tell you, there's a lot of different pains in life. You do not want to be the name of somebody that's forgotten, irrelevant, or left behind. It is the most depressing, difficult places to be, and you and I have a choice to do something about it. So unless if somebody listens to this, and they say, ah, I don't care about that, no problem. There's certain people that are like, you know what, I really don't care about that. But I think even half of the people that say, I don't really care about that, they do. Yeah. It's their cop out. <laughs> it's the way to avoid the responsibility. It's the way to not have to do the work. It's the way to say, well, this is why I'm not winning and I have an excuse, but you don't. This is why X, Y, Z, but almost everyone I know has some kind of dreams. It's on them to have the courage to want to change and do something about it. Yeah. But that part, you and I can't do nothing about, man. They got to do it. Yeah. I, I remember working at the Cheesecake Factory, and I, I remember saying to myself that um, I don't really need to have, like, I think my friend was talking about, like, all the stuff that they want to have and a, you know, big, you know, 10-bedroom house and things of that nature. And I was like, ah, I don't really need all that. And I said, I think somehow we were talking about, like, hitting the lottery. And I said, well, if I hit the lottery... I would just still work here because I don't really need the money, right? I realized that wasn't the truth, but I, I did convince myself because I remember feeling that like success is this gated community where you have to like know somebody to let you in. I just, I just couldn't understand how I was going to become successful. That's why I resonate like with this audience that we're talking to right now so much because they want it. They just don't know what to do next. Well, I, I relate to as well, but I don't relate to excuses. I just don't. I have a very, very hard time relating to people that, um, I'll give you an idea. Think about this question here. What would you say are the ugliest qualities you've ever met? We all, people have different kind of ugly qualities. Selfishness. Selfishness. Okay. So you think selfishness is the ugliest one. I think there's uglier than selfish because I think you're also selfish. I think I'm also selfish. I think our kids are selfish. I think pastors are selfish. I think Michael Jordan, shit, he was definitely selfish, yeah. right? And, you know, it benefited the people on his team. Yeah. But there is a definition of selfish, right? What else would you say is the obvious? So selfish as one of them. Um, jealousy? Jealousy. What else? I don't disagree. Um, um, hate. What else? Uh, 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 ugliest qualities. So selfish, jealousy, hate. Uh, what else? Um, I don't know what to call Let it. Let me rephrase that. How about unattractive? Where you're like, oh, that, that energy is just very unattractive. Yeah. What would you um, say it is? I really get rubbed the wrong way by like heavy arrogance. Like when someone comes around and talks about themselves as if they are like bigger than everyone else. Um, and yeah, it's negativity. Okay. So I will say for me, unattractive is helpless. Very unattractive. Blame. Very unattractive. Uh, guilt, yeah. putting guilt on others, very unattractive. Um, uh, uh, what else can I tell you? Always feeling sorry, self-pity, super unattractive. I once read a book called Power Versus Force. And I read this book 20 years ago, and it talks about the different levels of consciousness, okay? From the lowest to the highest. So level of consciousness, power versus force. I read this book uh, uh, 20 years ago, and he explains the different levels, from the lowest level to the highest one. So right in the middle is when life flips to us actually having power versus we're forcing it. The lowest level of consciousness I think he talks about is apathy or grief, guilt, and those are the lowest level. And then there's desire, there's anger, and anger is the highest of the worst level, meaning like it's actually better than grief, apathy, all of that. Mm -hmm. And then after anger comes courage. Courage is, I have the courage to fail. You have the courage to start a podcast with a quarter million of subscribers and somebody comments and says, David, you suck. I don't like your interview style. <laughs> or you know what, David? I can't believe you had this guest Patrick B. David on. Why would you do that? Or why would you say capitalism works, you understand how hard life is, that's a risk you're taking when you make a video. Yeah. Some people come after you, you're not gonna get 100% positive comments, but you have the courage to say, look, at least I'm creating something, yeah. right? Then after courage comes 
neutrality, where you're willing to kind of see both sides. They are maybe off order, but then it goes to acceptance. I'm willing to accept you for who you are. It's totally fine. We're different. Yeah. You're willing to accept me. Then it becomes willingness. I'm willing to work with you. Then reason. Why don't we reason together? See if we can reason. Mm. So there's these levels all the way at the top is enlightenment, which we're not going to get to. That's Jesus. He's talking about like people who are extreme high spiritual leaders. Then it's joy. Then it's love. Then it's happy. Okay, so you're working with these levels. For somebody that's, you're saying your friend who was, you know, I don't care if I ever win the lot, I'm still doing the same job. That's what I'm going to be doing, right? Okay, well, things change later on. You know, people have to just realize and identify for themselves what qualities are ugly. So if, if I'm talking victimhood language always, but you don't understand how I grew up, oh my God. I can guarantee you there's millions of stories of people that had a harder life than you yeah. that would exchange their problems with you. But you know what I've gone through? You don't know what it was like for me to grow up in LA. You don't know what it was like for me to do this. You know why I know that language very well? Because that was me yeah. until 18 years old. Until 18. Until 18 years old. the light switch? Because for me, I grew up in a family where my mother's side, they were communists. My dad's side were imperialists. And my mother's side... They always blamed and they always were like, but no, we're never going to be rich. We're, like, I remember one time I was 14 years Real old. Real quick, imperialist. Communist. Can you explain those? Yes, imperialism is like, uh, you know, like uh, UK, you know, where there's a king, there's a queen. Right. Iran, it was an imperialism. Yeah. And my mother was more because they escaped from Russia. Her family did. So they read Communist Manifesto. So they believe rich people are bad people. They believe rich people are greedy. They believe rich people to take their money and should give it to other people and all this other stuff, right? So I'm this kid growing up and I'm like, oh my God, these rich people suck. And I had an uncle, his name was uh, Luther <clears throat> al Khase, who just passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought this was a bad guy. And I'm like, man, I'd go, I'm like, why, why is this guy such a bad guy? And then every summer, my dad would take me to his house once a year. He lived right next to Snoop in uh, Upland uh, oh, wow. off of San Antonio. He had a 7,200 square foot, uh, square foot house. He always had a blue uh, a Cadillac, the real cool Cadillacs and a Jaguar. He was a Jaguar guy. Basketball court in the back, swimming pool, mm. nice office, beautiful kitchen that would always be there. And I would say, if he's such a bad guy, why do all his kids love him? <laughs> if he's such a bad guy, why, why do his in-laws love him? Why do his son-in-law marry to his daughter? Why do all these... If he's such a bad guy, why, why is every time I go on Sunday, 50, 60 people there and they're all laughing, having a good time, he's yeah. cooking for people, and he was successful, he was this, he was that. So I'm like, I don't know, Mom, I don't know if I know this. And I remember one time I came home, I said, Mom, are we Democrats or Republicans? I was 14 years old. And the teacher's talking about politics. Mm-hmm. I said, are we Democrats or Republicans? She says, we're Democrats. I said, cool, we're Democrats. I said, can I ask you why we're Democrats? She said, because Democrats are for the poor, Republicans are for the rich. Mm. I said to my mom, you know what I told my mom? What's that? I said, mom, when I grow up, I want to be a Republican. <laughs> of course. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, though? absolutely. I have no clue what Republican right, means. Right, I just want to make money. I'm just sick and tired of being poor yeah. and having people constantly feel sorry for me. Do you know when people bring stuff for you for Thanksgiving? They bring it once, thank you, because you're poor. They bring it twice. By the third time, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. It's an unattractive quality. I don't want you to look, you know the look when somebody looks at you with the feeling sorry look? I don't like that look. Yeah. I don't think people should like that look. I think maybe a little bit for a season that you're going through tough times. But if it's every year, now you're feeding into it. Now you're believing it. Now your kids are starting to believe maybe we are victims. We're not victims. It's a constant homework working on you. And I love the work. And I think mm-hmm. we all should fall in love with the work of us. It's, 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 it's. Ugly, raw, nasty, but beautiful homework is working mm-hmm. on you and finding out why you are the way you are. Because you can only evolve and be better by identifying the source and identifying the roots. Mm. Otherwise, you're just around here pretending and wearing makeup. It's like, oh, yes, I'm so developed and I'm so confident. And I'm so No, you're not. You haven't even did the work, babe. Mm. <laughs> What's the root? What's True. the source of all that trauma? Have you even, do you even know what your trauma is? Most people don't even know what their trauma is because they buried it so deep. They put so much makeup on the trauma that they don't even, you forgot that you were molested. You forgot that you were abandoned. You forgot that you had those mommy issues. 
You forgot that you had that middle child syndrome feeling left out. You forgot because you buried it so deep. You've never faced it. You've never confronted it. Whereas me as an actor, I'm confronting my stuff every day because it gives me tools as an actor, gives me tools as a producer, and it gives me tools to be the best version of me that I can possibly be. Is burying it such a bad thing, though? It is. Why? There's several reasons why. Let's talk about a few. You're a ticking time bomb, for one. It's cool to be like, oh, nothing bothers me. I'm cool. I'm collectively, I don't really feel, I don't really go up or down. Now, one day that's going to come and someone's going to push a button and that button is going to make you explode. Do we know that to be true? Could be. Or maybe you're just not. Maybe you're just going to go through life easy kill, easy kilter, and it's just going to all be good and you're never going to blow up. You're never going to have a moment. You're never going to have an episode. Or you're going to bust somebody upside the head one day when they. <laughs> it's going to be that one day where you're just going to bust somebody upside. And you're like, where did that come from? Yeah, all that trauma you'd buried, babe. You never faced it. <laughs> I'm trying to think back of my about my trauma. And you're right. It is, uh, it is, uh, it's been, it's been buried. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So much so. Mm-hmm. I know I've been through some stuff. Yeah. But I can't remember. Yeah. Trauma memory loss. I suffer from that too. You just, it's whole years you just blocked out. It's whole eras of your life you just blocked out. Trauma memory loss, it's a thing. But why do the work to go find the stuff that hurts us? Because sometimes the things that hurt you are the single ingredient that's going to make you the best version of you. I wouldn't know why I'm bossy and I'm controlling and I'm this and I'm that if I didn't go discover why I am that way. Otherwise, people just think, oh, she's she's just controlling and just, oh, she's just too bossy. But when they understand why and they understand the journey, they're like, oh, I see why. Okay. Actually, you know, I I may suffer from a little bit of that too. Mm -hmm. It's probably why I'm the way I am. You know what I mean? And like when you when you start doing that work, you give grace to yourself and you give grace to other people because you understand we've all been through something. And there's a level of grace that comes with doing that work for you and for others that you're able to carry. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's just life changing. Yeah. And it's it's it elevates you. I'm telling you, I'm different. I am a different person. I am different. I operate in such a level of truth and transparency that people wish they had, and they'll probably never get it because no one's no one wants to do this work. Yeah, I'm telling you, on the other side of doing that work, you're you're the best version of you that you you attract the husband, the wife, the dream car, the dream house, the dream job. When you're the best version of you, I live in abundance. Literally, I live in abundance. I tell I used to tell people. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. They lost their uh, niece to suicide, mm. and I was on the phone with him. He was like, Coach. I, man, I noticed I didn't call about this, but I'm still feeling a type of way. And he broke down about the niece and the suicide. Now, in the past, before I got to this season of my life, I would say, yo, don't let the way you feel affect the way you flow. Get up and go get it. But as a mature man, and because I've experienced that type of um, feeling, I say, yo, allow yourself time to grieve and feel the hurt. Otherwise, that anxiety is going to affect not just your business, but it's going to affect you. And the one thing that affects everything is you. But hold on. When you said take some time to feel the hurt, I don't understand. Um, so what we'll do is we'll say, um, you know, I'm grieving, I'm going through something, and we'll find something to mask a drink, hang out with the people, something to take our mind off of it. But I told him to sit in that thing cry. You know, you cry so much at a certain point, you get tired of crying. Mm -hmm. You have moments. I have these moments. And if anybody else can relate to this, please don't make me sound crazy. I have moments where I wake up some days and I'll put my gospel playlist on and literally I'll just be crying, just thinking about different things, happy thoughts, sad thoughts. Really? Oh, bro, I'll just start crying until a certain point where it's like, all right, let me put this Jay-Z on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a, it's a complete and so when you allow your sign, yourself, like, there's a reason why I felt that way, why I put that song on and run it on repeat. Once I allowed myself the time to feel it, then I came back to another space and it's like, yo, I want another feeling. I got this. Boom. So I was telling my man, allow your time to go, yourself time to go through it. Sit in that thing. 
fully embrace it. Cry your eyes out. You're going to get tired of crying. And it's only at that point where you can get up and go to go back to work and do the things that you want to do. Yeah, I don't I don't know. So it still it still sounds so foreign to me mm-hmm. because like I I don't, I don't know how to sit in some pain. Why? I don't know how because it feels weird. I've tried it. I maybe haven't studied my feelings like that, but it's like I envy that kind of stuff. So you can sit there for a little while, muster up some feelings and cry. No, not like that. If I wake up and I'm feeling the other day, I was in the car and um, I just felt a certain way. I put on a specific song. I got one better. Just Father's Day just fast. I ain't never heard my uncle say he loved me. I know he does. He taught me how to ride my first bike, taught me how to play basketball. When I was young, everywhere he was with his wife at the time, I was. Kept me, took me on vacation. The whole, I'm talking about, and I look like him. Mm-hmm. I used to ask my mother. Come <laughs> on, keep it real. Keep it real with your boy. So he is, <laughs> he called me, I'm moving. No, no question. So I get there. We got there about one in the morning and flight delays and everything. Get there. He comes down, you know, and hugs me. But a hug I ain't never felt before. The extra hug. On the way down, I'm telling my wife, like, yo, this man has been a major influence in my life and I love him to death. Go through the whole weekend. I spend all day Sunday with him. Like I didn't, I only went there and I stayed at the crib. We go to leave. As we're leaving, I get a hug and like a little hookup on the cheek. This don't happen in my family. And I lie, get in the car and I just started crying. And my wife was like, what's going on? Like that, that feeling of love from a man that I love like a father. I allowed myself to go through the tears. And then five minutes later, I put on Jay. (laughs) But like even before we get there. So if something, so when, you know, the situation happened with my mom. Yeah. My, I did cry, but I did not have an experience of like sitting in it because my mind automatically goes. So, and this may be a gift of mine. Yeah, that's good. Um, I automatically lean into the fact that God saw it fit for me to have my wife and my daughters. That's phenomenal. So it, it, I, I'm not really though, because I want to, I want to, I want to feel that. Like every time I feel like, like there's a movie on, I'm like, ooh, hold on, what's that? You know, like you know what? At the end of the movie, right when the thing happens that's drawing yeah. the emotion, I see, what was the movie with the the uh, the deaf parents? The parents were deaf, and the kid could hear. Could hear. I vaguely and remember. And she had to that. do the sign. Yo, that movie was fire. Did you cry? I felt something. Yeah, it was like, it was like, I feel a little twin. Should I cry? I feel I a little not? something. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I want, ooh, come on. Okay, what's happening? Let's go. No, no, this is literally what's going on. I'm like, ooh, it's, I, I feel it. It's, ha- ooh, this, it's happening. Yeah. And I didn't cry. It's okay. Keep living. I'm 37. Bro, I didn't cry when I was young. When I was your age, I wasn't no crying. I was hustling. You it, still had some sort of emotion. I had emotions, but not like. I don't got that, man. It's coming. I'm 54. I just got Bro, I just drop it. I can cry now. Bro, I, I, I did a keynote and cry. Really? And was good. It's just maturity. I don't know. That's not the right word. Just keep living and allow yourself to connect with you as you grow and develop. I want to. Yeah. And, and remember, it's no right or wrong. It's just about being. So it, it's an area in your life. It's the soulful mm-hmm. area. It's connecting with the inner you. It's the heart work. Yes. Just allow yourself to What does that work look like? You're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Bro, you don't know what this... You may have a vision on how you want. How how old are you? 37. Okay. You have a vision of what you want 47 to look like. Yes. Good. And are you preparing for that now? Yes. And there are certain aspects of that that you can control. Yes. But there are other aspects that you can't control. Out of my control. So as you're preparing for 47 at 37, all you can do is what you can do. When life happens, 
life will show you something different and it will either either keep you on course. It could change the vision. You have to allow some wiggle room. And that's one of the biggest, the greatest things for me in this season is I hate flying for one reason. I don't like not having control. I got control issues. So in the plane, (laughs) when that joint shake, I can't fathom the concept of what you mean? It's a bump. We ain't on no road. Ain't no street. We're in the air. It ain't no bump. Turbulence. It's, it ain't right. <laughs> I, I ain't never thought about it. Yeah, you gonna mess me up on a plane, bro. Bruh, I never thought about the it joint back. shake a little bit, and you know the dude will come on and be like, "Oh, we've got a bump in the road down." Which we ain't on no road. <laughs> We're we in the air. It shouldn't be no bumps. <laughs> but I can't. For me, it's a control thing because if that joint starts to dip. I can't control it. Mm. So, and I decided to become a financial counselor. So I worked in, in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, uh, you know, as a financial counselor at Millbrook Houses. So uh, for just to paint a picture, uh, the South Bronx, uh, or where I worked, was the was the one of the poorest congressional districts in the United States. Mm. In the United States, food desert, you know, no, you know, you know, the uh, income was very low. Uh, and, and so I decided to, to go there um, and, and I wanted to teach people about wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what is it that you teach about wealth in that environment? Man, it's because so- it's, it's not as easy as, yo, you get your, you get your account, you take 10% of your money. It's not that easy, yeah, right? Because yeah. you're not familiar with that language. Honestly, that, that's what, that's what made me realize this principle I'm telling you that if you want wealth, don't focus on poverty, right? Because um, at that time, I had some things, right? So I'm, I'm driving an ML350, mm-hmm. right? Mercedes-Benz every day, going to Millbrook, thinking, right? I want to be, I want to display to them. I want to show them, right? And, and I'm from the hood, so I, I'm not nervous about pulling up in the Benz mm-hmm. in the hood. But the problem was I was soaking up all of that energy every single day. Mm. I was soaking up that that poverty energy, to be honest, 100% frank, because I'm trying to convince people who really they can't see it, right? They're not around wealthy people. They they haven't seen what I've seen. And so I'm trying to convince them with them, right? I'm, I'm there with them trying to convince them that there's another way. And they're looking at me like, nah, fam, you here. I don't care what you drive. You here with us. Right. You, you working a job. And so at that point, I realized, you know what? All right, now you got, now you got to practice what you know. Not what you're preaching. Practice what you know. I can't help the poor if I'm one of them. So I got rich and gave back to me. That's the win-win. When Hope said that, that line, at one point, I didn't really understand it. I was like, yo, what are you talking about? You can't help the poor, right? But nah. People respect what you do, not what you say. Yeah. The reason why the dude, and all due respect to the dude who who got, you know, who who had many years in jail, come home, and he's like, youngin', you got to get your stuff together. Nobody, young, 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 boy, young boy's not listening to him. Nah. They like, fam, what you, like, you here with us, what you right. talking about? Who it, sounds, it sounds good to you saying that exactly. because you know it's real. Absolutely. But to them, it's... It's just, it's, it's hitting their head, not going inside. Right. Because they can't get past what they see. Exactly. And so what happens, though, when, you know, you become rich? What happens when Ash Cash becomes rich? Yeah. When Ash Cash pull up in the 2020? Yeah. Yo, in this season, I don't even got to say, they're going to look at you and know. Yeah. That's why the Doughboys are so influential. Absolutely. Because they like, yo, you can get money. And they see... The dope boy with the money. Right. He's like, yo, hold on. You got these girls. You got the chain. You got the money. Right. Give me a pack. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so and so and so that's why, you know, and, and, and that's the other thing that, that I'm that I'm loving about this movement, black entrepreneurs, you know, people showing it's listen, it's, it? oh my God. It's, beautiful, it's a beautiful it? sight. Because now I, I ain't gonna, you know, I, I ain't gonna tell you uh get off the block and not give you away. Yeah. I'ma show you. I'ma say, yo, I what what I'm doing over here hundred percent legal. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm adding massive value to people's yeah. lives. Massive value, right? I got a mastermind group. Yo, some, yo one, of, one of my participants told me she made $10,000 in a week. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Massive value. And, and, but how is that? Because I'm showing them too. I'm saying, yo, I, I, I did five figures this week. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, listen, look, 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 what I'm, look what I'm out here doing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching to you. Yeah. Right? I'm not preaching. I'm not the preacher who's telling you everything's going to be all right. I'm going to say, nah, this is how you do it. And I'm going to lay down a blueprint for you. Yeah. 
And so working there made me realize, like, nah, Ash, if you if you want to change the community, you have to be a demonstration. That's how you change the community, period. Yes, 100%. You got to be a demonstration. You know how many people that know me from hanging out on the block see my success and be like, yo, Ash Cash, yo, you such an inspiration. I, I don't talk to you often. I don't tell you this often, but thank you so much for everything that you do because I know where you come from and if you're able to do it, I'm able to do it too. Yeah. It's a wow. demonstration. Imagine, imagine if I was still on the block with them, preaching every day, like, yo, it's a better way. Mm. Nah, you got, you got to be a demonstration. So what was your first step into demonstrating? Yeah, I, I mean, my, my first step was, number one, making sure that my family and I never had to worry about where we we're going to live. And you, left, you just wound up leaving that job. Yeah, I wound up leaving that job. But, because, but once I left that job, I already had, you know, properties, mm. right? And so those properties, we had tenants, my wife and I. And so we were able to, so the money was coming in. Whether I worked or not. I knew I was good. Yeah. And so now with that level of cushion, that level of uh, lack of stress, I don't have to think about the basic necessities. When you yeah. think about the Maslow hierarchy of needs, yeah. a lot of people can't think about wealth and abundance if they're trying to figure out how they feed, the, feed their kids, yeah. where they're going to live. So with that basic necessity taken care of, now it's about, all right, how do I take my skills that mm -hmm. I have through all these years of working, how can I serve people? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and let me tell you why that's important. There are too many people out here chasing a bag. Mm -hmm. And when you chase a bag, the bag's going to run from you. All the time. What you need to do is chase people. Who are you? What skills do you have? What problem do you solve? And if you can solve that problem, the more people you solve that problem for, the more money you will make. Easy. And so for me, I said, you know, I want to financially empower people. And so I started doing that through speaking engagements. But I'm like, man, I can't empower enough people. All right, so let me write more books. Let me do more courses. Let me do, <clears throat> let, 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 me, let, let, let me be on radio. Let me, let, me, let me spread my word to more people. And as I was helping people fix their credit, I was helping people get life insurance. I was helping people create estates and trust and understand those complexities. As I was helping more and more people do that, my, my, my bank account kept growing and growing and growing to the point where now, you know, a lot of my, you know, I just came from Haiti with the family, mm. right? And I, I, I made money while I was away. Right. <laughs> beautiful, lady. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like, not one time was I worried or was I thinking about, you know, how bills are going to get paid. None of that. Right? And that's why we call it mailbox money. Right, that money's in yeah. the mailbox. For it come, sure. it, it come automatic, and, and and what happens is that um, if you have the right systems in place, it's about all about systems. Mm -hmm. If you have the right systems in place, that system is working for you, and you don't have to work for it. Mm -hmm. um, and so and so, it's really you know, and and that's what I do every single day. Every single day, I'm helping people. Every single day, I'm over delivering. Oh, every single day, I'm helping people. You know, you know, get past their limitations and understand that abundance is their birthright. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just telling; I'm giving you the blueprint. I'm I'm giving you the motivation, but I'm also giving you the tools. I'm telling you how to set up your life insurance. I'm telling you how to set up your business. I'm telling you how to do all these things because once you do these things, you're gonna you're gonna be able to reap the benefits. But not just do these things because you after the money do these things because you're after serving people yeah if you like the video that you just watched click this one you're gonna like this one maybe even more click it right now when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply